0: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody. It's the Hockey News Podcast. It's the free agency edition 2020. It starts October 9th. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell and with Ryan Kennedy. And guys, you're both looking very streamlined. So before we talk free agency, just tell me the rationale of your haircut. And is it your final haircut before COVID lockdown? Ken, you go first.
2: Well, my wife cuts my hair now, so uh, no, it's not like I can get a haircut whenever I want. And uh, yeah, she there's actually a couple of spots where she really took some chunks out, and she got it right down to the wood. But you know what, the heck.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my wife cuts my hair too, so (laughs) the salon's open. Whatever, I just I I'm I'm like a chia pet, so I just need to uh, I need to get a trim every once in a while.
2: So Matt, are you going to go for like another $75 haircut before COVID lockdown or? Uh,
1: it's $80 and uh I just might. Okay. My man, <laughs> Gus, he's a goalie. He's a really good beer league goalie and shout out to Gus at Salon you Dude. You
2: pay $80 to get your
1: haircut. <laughs> hey, Gus does a good job. All right. $80? $80. Eight yeah. zero. Oh, here, here's the thing. Okay. Every time I've had this debate and someone's like, dude, just go to a barber. I've done it. And just gotten gotten absolutely butchered, and I'm like, no, never again, never again. I'll pay the extra for the this just the the peace of mind, okay? Mm. Even though I'm not having a great hair day today, but you know, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Anyways, now that people have hit that little fast forward button, let's talk free agency. It feels strange that we're already preparing for the next season, I guess. But this is the way that you know the COVID year is going. So let's just dive in. We're going to start with the top UFAs and I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a name and I want you guys to tell me where you think he will end up and why. So we're going to start with the guy. and These are based on my own rankings that i posted on our website. Okay. So my current top five, Robin Laner's out because he's signed, but Alex Petrangelo of course is number one. So Ken, we'll start with you. Where do you think Petro ends up and why?
2: Philadelphia. Because I, because I, because they just got $6 million in cap space when Matt Niskanen retired um, and Philly just seems to be one of those teams that's that would check off a lot of boxes for Alex Pietrangelo if they can give him the money in the term. They're a team that's on the rise. They, they could be a Stanley cup. They're going to be a Stanley cup contender. They could be a Stanley cup winner. There's a lot of good things happening in Philly. I, th- I think, I think he ends up in Philadelphia.
0: Hmm. I'm going to go s- similar. I'm going to say the New York Rangers. They just cleared out a bunch of cap space with Henrik Lundqvist, and here is a team on the rise. They don't need forwards. You know they've got Panarin, they've got Sabanajad, they've got all the youngsters, including Lafreniere coming in. Um, they're pretty much good in goal. I think they're going to go with Shisterkin and and Gor- Georgiev. Um, but defense they could use some help. You know, Truba's a great piece. D'Angelo is a very nice offensive weapon, but. Petrangelo would give you that two-way guy that leans more offense, um, but he also has that Stanley Cup ring and he's got a plenty of experience. So I think that would be a dynamic fit for New York.
1: Wow, good picks. And Ken's got this Philly bug in my ear now. I'm like, wow, because I was already picturing like a pre-Stanley Cup prediction of like Colorado Philly next year. I kind of had it in my head the last few weeks, and now like Trangelo there. Ooh. I'm going to say the Calgary Flames. I think they're a team that's also, you know, they're on the cusp, hoping at least to be contenders. And I think they're a team that has a decent amount of cap space compared to a lot of other contenders, 16, $16 $16.9 million. Uh, So I think there's a cap space there. We know they need help on the blue line. They're probably going to add a goaltender. And if you're a team that's kind of in the middle contender range and you add Pietrangelo, it can vault you into contender status. That's the thing about being Pietrangelo. It's like, am I going to go somewhere that's going to win a Stanley cup? Well, just by virtue of me going to place X and make that team so much better. Right. So I think Calgary is a team that I'm looking at, Uh, but I got to admit Philly is just like, Ooh, that's giving me some, that's, that's something there, Kenny. I like that. Uh, Let's do Taylor Hall. Now, Ryan, you are up.
0: I'm going to say Colorado. I don't think Hall's going to get the term or the gross dollar amounts. He would have thought he would a year ago. But if he goes to the abs, even on maybe a shorter term deal, he has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I think that has to be his motivation right now. He hasn't had very much success at all team-wise in the NHL. The avalanche give him that opportunity.
2: I'm going to say Edmonton on a, on a short-term deal as well. Um, I, think, I think what Taylor Hall needs is he needs another – sort of monster year like he had a couple of years ago when he won the Hart Trophy. And I think going to Edmonton and playing with either Leon Draisaitl or Conor McDavid gives him that chance.
1: Okay. I, I'm going to say I lean Colorado as well on the one-year deal, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Montreal took a run at him as well in a longer-term deal. So if Hall wants that term, which I think with, with his injury history, it's fair for him to chase some term. I think Montreal is going to be aggressive. We know they need a scoring winger. So that's my long-term contract pick. It would be the Habs. Uh, let's do Tory Krug. Ken, you are up. Um, well, I know you've had the big
2: Detroit thing going for a long time. And, and I suppose that, you know, there's a lot of credence to that. I'm going to say Colorado for Tory Krug. Um, you know, I think again, you know, another, a, a team that gives a veteran who's been to the final twice uh, a chance to go back and, and to, to maybe win at this time. Like, I think we all agree that Colorado is an emerging powerhouse in the West. Uh, they've got a, actually a surprising amount of cap space. Um, and and I just think Tory Krug would be a really good fit. I think they have, they only have like three defensemen signed. Of course, they're going to sign Ryan Graves and Nikita Zadorov because they're both restricted free agents. So those guys will both be back. So I think they've got three or four guys signed. I think there's room for them there. I think there's cap room for them there. And I think it fits in a way that goes beyond money. And Detroit, at this point, all they can offer him is money. They can't offer him, uh, you know, a chance to win for a while.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was also thinking Detroit, but Matt, I'll let you expand on that. But my other thought was Edmonton, uh, particularly with the news that Oscar Kleffbaum is going through some some, some health, uh, issues some injury concerns. Uh, Torrey Krug would obviously help either way, particularly getting the puck up to the McDavid's and dry of the world. And he would obviously bring some great experience from a team that was very good defensively in the Boston Bruins. Um, And, you know, if if you're Krug, you say, maybe if I'm on that team, they become more of a contender. He does not play goalie, but you can only do one position at a time. So we'll stick with that.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I think he'd be a good fit there. And, you know, I'm sticking with Detroit and here's my thing. Okay. I know in theory, Troy Krug should want to win, but if he really wants to win, then he he would have re-signed with Boston by now because they have that winning culture where they take discounts. I'm getting more of a vibe that Krug knows this is his big payday. And I think, the team that's going to pay him the most has the best chance to get him. Uh, and there's the bonus of the hometown factor. And if he's signing a long-term deal with Detroit, I trust Steve Eisman you know, in the next three to five years, he can make that into a good team because they're going to keep stockpiling young talent, getting another pick in the draft this week, of course. So I'm going to stick with Detroit. Let's do Mike Hoffman. Ryan, you start.
0: I'm going to go with the Buffalo Sabres. You know, uh, they have a lot of space up front. They don't have very many forwards under contract right now. Mike Hoffman, bit of a mercenary scorer at this point in, in his career, but that's not a bad thing. If you're the Buffalo Sabres, you need some high-end wingers. You hope, obviously, that Jeff Skinner bounces back from a, a rather rotten season, and I think he will. Um, but you got to keep building in Buffalo, and I think Mike Hoffman is the kind of guy that will really help out your offense. Um, I don't know if you put him with Eichel or if you put him with Stahl, but you know, you're know you giving yourself options. and you know, they can give him a a decent amount of coin. And I think Mike Hoffman can find himself a pretty good niche there with the Sabres.
2: I'm going to go with the New Jersey devils. Um, I think, you know, I think that again, you know, a team with a fair bit of cap space and some room to move to maneuver. They've got a lot of picks they're, they're building. Um, It just seems to me like Mike Hoffman would be a guy that could come in there and provide, you know, some offense uh, to a team. That's, 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 Really still going to probably really struggle, but is, is, you know, hopefully moving in the right direction.
1: Good. Uh, I'm going to go Montreal again. I know I said it for Taylor Hall, but Colorado was my real pick for Taylor Hall and my actual pick for Mike Hoffman is Montreal. I think he's a perfect fit for their needs. And the Habs, you know, they're not swimming in cap space to the point where they can afford to go after the absolute top tier free agents. I, I don't think, but the next year down, I think they can afford and I think Mike Hoffman is exactly what they need goal scoring winger. And he's familiar playing in the Canadian market. He played in the queue. So I don't think he'd be put off by playing in Quebec. He's kind of used to that environment as well. Plus, you'd have some uh, rivalry games when they play the Senators, I guess. Uh, and I just like him as a fit there. And, you know, underrated goal scorer 30 goals roughly per 82 games, I think, over the past six seasons. Uh, We'll finish with Evgeny Dodonov. He's a guy, I I didn't have him in the top five, but because Lehner signed, I I bumped him up now to the number five guy. So, Kenny, where does Dodonov go?
2: I'm going to say the New York Islanders. And I don't even know why. I I don't even know why, but it just seems like he's a New York Islanders (laughs) kind of guy. And Lou always has has something up his sleeve. So, I'm going to go with the
0: Islanders. Hmm. I want to say the Nashville Predators because they need an offensive weapon like that, but they already have so much money wrapped up in their forwards. Unless they find a way to, to move Kyle Turris, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, so I'm going to say the Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, again, you know, this is a team that could use a little more help up front on the wings, even though they have Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, often playing on the wing now instead of center. But again, you know the the Oilers they need to sort of hit that next level. And Dodonov, he's he was pretty consistent uh, with the Florida Panthers in terms of putting up numbers, and I, I think he could really help an Edmonton squad that just needs to hit that other level.
1: Cool. It's funny, uh, Ken, I almost picked the Islanders for the of myself, but I'm still worried about all their RFAs that they have to re-sign, like Barzal and, and Ryan Pulik and Devin Tate. So I'm going to go with the Sabres for the same reason that Ryan had picked Hoffman, but I think the Sabres need more help on the right side. So Hoffman, he plays both, but he usually plays left wing. And the Sabres, of course, they've got Jeff Skinner and Victor Olsen. So I think the right is where they need a lot of help. So And we know they have the cap space to pay anyone <laughs> to overpay. They will have to overpay probably. Uh, But I think they can do so. And I'll say Dodonov is a Buffalo Sabre. Let's talk more big picture now. So I want you to give me a team that you think is under the most pressure right now. The biggest hot seat or the hottest hot seat, I guess is the better way to put it, uh, during this week to make some significant changes. Uh, Ryan, let's kick it off with you on this one.
0: Yeah, we've mentioned them a couple of times already. I think it's the Buffalo Sabres. You know, they have a new GM with Kevin Adams. Uh, You know, they got rid of most of their scouting staff and hockey ops people in the summer. They have a lot of uh, UFAs and even RFAs, as, as we've already mentioned, particularly up front. This is a team that needs to move in the right direction. You know, there've already been a lot of questions about, you know, how happy is Jack Eichel in town? Success is going to be the only way to really tamp that question down. And I, I thought the Eric Stahl move was a very good first step. Now it's a matter of filling in the roster and, and doing it the right way. And really, I mean, they, they kind of have to get it right because they're in a tough division, you know, like Tampa Bay's not going to take that much of a step back. Um Toronto's going to be hungry. Montreal's going to be hungry. Boston is going to be hungry. Uh, the Florida Panthers are certainly going to be hungry. So that's, that's a tough slate of teams that you have to get past to get into that playoff picture. Um, So Kevin Adams certainly has his work cut out for him as a rookie GM. Uh, Luckily he's got a lot of flexibility right now in terms of his roster. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how he fills it out.
2: I'm going to go up to QEW 90 minutes. Um, at least I can do it in 90 minutes. I don't know about you guys, but, um, and I'm going to pick the Toronto Maple Leafs. And and I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs have to do big things. They don't have to win trade deadline day. You know, they, they, they have to do smart things. You know, they, they, uh, you know, Kyle Dubis has acknowledged, their GM has acknowledged that they're not a difficult enough team to play against and they're not, you know, and they have made some mistakes. And I said it two years ago when they signed him, I didn't think John Tavares was a good signing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I still don't, and I think that that has borne itself out. Um, I think he gave them too much of what they already had and not enough of what they needed. And now they need to go out and they need to target free agents that will make them a better, t- a better defensive team or, or, you know, some defensemen, some lockdown guys, and a harder team to play against. And that doesn't mean, like I said, winning trade deadline – or sorry, not trade deadline day, but signing day and having the big press conference. It means going out and getting those players that will – that will make you, that will change your fabric enough that, that you, you, you know, you'll be a better contending team. Because right now, I mean, you look at it, I mean, they're, they're at best, the third best team in their division. In my opinion, mm-hmm. they're nowhere near the Tampa Bay lightning No, like nowhere near in my opinion. And the Boston Bruins are still better. So they, I think they've, they've got to make some moves and they've got to, cause they've got a lot of cap space tied up in a few players and they've got to, you know, I mean, they've got to make some moves before it becomes too
1: late. Fair enough. It's funny. I was thinking the other day, too, it's like instead of chasing Petrangelo, you might be better off trying to sign, you know, like TJ Brody and Dylan DeMello combined cost less than Petrangelo and then like Patrick Maroon or something for your check in line or, or something like that. Uh, I've been saying Calgary a lot, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. I've talked about them a lot on recent podcasts, but they're still my pressure team. It's year seven for Bradford living. It's the 10th longest tenure in the league. And during that time, they've missed the playoffs twice. They've won a single playoff series. Two if you count a bubble win, never passed the second round. And they need a starting goalie. They need lots of help on defense with Brody and Hammonick going UFA, Gustafson as well. And there's the question of, do you break up the core of Gaudreau and Monaghan? I just think there's no GM with bigger changes on his plate than Brad Living, And if he doesn't feel that way, which I know there were some comments that he was implying that doesn't have to be that way. I think that's even more troublesome if you're a flames fan, because clearly what they have, the mix doesn't work. So you're going to have to make major changes if you don't want to rebuild uh, next category. Let's talk a bit about goalies. It's funny. I've been talking about goalies a lot lately because it's just such an interesting summer. There's such a robust market for, there's so many goalies that are starting caliber that could be either on the trade block or available in free agency. So this is the free agency special. So we're going to talk about the UFA goalies uh, and the two that are at the top. Now that Leonard signed: Braden Holtby and Jacob Markstrom. So I want to hear your picks for best fits and why Ryan you start.
0: Well, Braden Holtby, it, it really does feel like Calgary, you know, they have a need there. Holtby, as a veteran who has struggled the past couple of years, obviously wants to prove that he's not done, that he still has a lot in the tank. And, you know, goalies don't tend to age the way skaters do. We've certainly seen late 30s renaissances. And, I mean, Holtby's not even that old. Um, I think this is a chance for him to sort of redeem himself, and it's a chance for Calgary to say, okay, well, we went out and got a star netminder, Uh, We're, you know, we're going for it. We are invested here. I think that's the way to go for him.
2: Yeah. It seems like that's kind of the default setting is, is Calgary. I mean, and I mean, I guess it depends on whether or not you believe David Rittich is a number one goalie and a lot of people don't. Um, But he's certainly the kind of goalie that would need, I think, a veteran behind him, someone who can play, you know, 25 to 30 games. If, if, if he is actually their number one guy, um, I'm not big on Braden Holpe at the moment. Like, I, I think he's, I think the last couple of years have shown that he's very, very much in decline. So I'm, I'm not sure I would be chasing too hard after Brayden Holpe if I were anybody.
1: Okay. That's good. Cause I want to, I want to play some tennis here, Kenny. I get a counter attack on that. Okay. So So one, we know Calgary doesn't trust David Riddick. Two years in a row, they went with Mike Smith in the playoffs. They went with Cam Talbot in the playoffs. He's not their guy. They've chosen not to trust him two seasons in a row. So you know they're going to bring in another starter. And Brayden Holpe is 31 years old. He's two years younger than Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot, a career journeyman who had a big turnaround in Calgary with their goalie coach Jordan Sigalette, or Sigalet, I never said his name out loud. So you're telling me that they can fix Cam Talbot and they can't fix uh, Brayden Holpe, who's two years younger has a much better track record, Vezina Trophy, Stanley Cup. The other thing, and this surprised me because I was writing something about Holtby the other day, is in the past three seasons, if you look at the expected goals against, he had the third hardest workload in the league. So the Washington, it's funny, ironically, when Todd Reardon, the defensive guru, became head coach, it's like all, maybe the focus went off team defense because he wasn't just coaching the defense and the Capitals have become a bit porous. And Holtby's actually had some of the worst help in the league over the past three seasons. So That actually surprised me. I thought he was in decline, but I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm like, hmm, would a better defensive team actually help revive Holby? So I think there's still potential for him, and I've been saying for a while, I've been saying for a year that I think Calgary's the fit. So what about Jacob Markstrom? Kenny, let's let's hear your thoughts on where Jacob Markstrom should go.
2: I think he should go to where he is. I think his best fit is where he is. Um, Because, yeah, again, like I'm not – like, I, like it, we, we're going to get to another segment, and he's going to be the, one of my people in the other, one of the other segments, so I won't give too much away. But, I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's in a good spot. They've got a lot of Swedes on Vancouver. Um, you know, he's got a chance to play in behind Elias, Elias Patterson and, and uh, Quinn Hughes for a long, long time. Um, you know, they want him back. He appears to want to be back. It's a good situation. He's played, obviously, very, very well for them um and so I I I would say that he should stay where he is
0: I agree I think Vancouver is the spot for Markstrom I I think they can make it work when you lock into a guy that didn't have success elsewhere early in his career and you find that fit you got to hold on to it I mean Markstrom really came into his own with the Canucks and you know sure you got thatcher demko coming up but i think if we looked at this season as strange as it was having two goaltenders is a really great luxury because you never know what's going to happen just ask the dallas stars what having two goalies that you have confidence in can do for your team and you can look at vancouver and say this is probably the way to go you know um, they don't have a lot of needs elsewhere in their lineup they have all those great young forwards they've got Quinn Hughes on the back end you know you, i mean you have to see what happens with the rest of the the defense but i think for the Canucks Markstrom has proven that he can be the guy at least for the next couple of years and basically you make yourself happy with a two competitive goalies that want the crease by outplaying each other with him and Demko it's a great problem to have
1: interesting you know I land differently on, on the, the subject because I think Markstrom had such a good year that it's going to screw over the Canucks. So he had the best season of his career. He uh, was, you know, he was, he made it to the all-star game and he was, I think he was good enough that he played himself into a, a higher cap hit, like maybe five, $6 million, maybe a medium to longer term deal. So if you sign him, if you're Vancouver, you're basically giving up on Demko. You're saying, sorry, you're not going to be our starter because you're locking in Marksman for so long that you basically have to play him as your starter because that's how much he's going to cost. You're not going to get Marksman for a couple million dollars where he can be a 1B. You're basically saying, no, Demko's not going to be our guy. So I think they're in a weird catch-22. I think Vancouver's a team now that has to go out and sign a guy like Kadobin, who's not going to be a threat to the youngster but going to be a safety net, and then Demko can be your guy that you groom over over time because he's shown he's ready. I really like the idea of Markstrom going to Carolina because Carolina is a team that I think we all agree you know, on the cusp of being a real cup contender. They don't have reliable goaltending. They did get overall, the numbers were good for Mrazic and Reimer in, in the playoffs, but we saw like that implosion against Boston, that game where Carolina blew the big lead. You still can't trust those guys to be your rock in really high stakes situations. Whereas Markstrom is like, he's been a very high floor goaltender in his Canucks career. This is the best season of his career. But even before that, he was always like a nine 12 save percentage kind of guy. So you know what you're getting with him, which is steady and Carolina, the rest of their team is good enough. You don't need a Vezina trophy winner. You just need a good top 15 goalie in your lineup, I think. So I, I think that Carolina would look like a dangerous contender if they sign Markstrom. So that's my pick. Um, let's talk a little Henrik Lundfist. There's goalies. See goalies are, it's just all about these goalies, 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 goalies. And like Ken's uh, Ken's story on the website the other day that said, what's with all goalies? Holy moly, what's with all the goalies? Uh, so Henrik Lundqvist, the king, he's no longer a New York Ranger. He was tweeting some suggestive things that imply he still wants to stay in the NHL. So Ken, tell me where you believe Henrik Lundqvist's signs.
2: I believe that Henrik Lunquist will leave the bright lights of Broadway for the neon lights of the Vegas Strip. Mm. Um, mm. You, know, you, you're, I, I, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is gone uh in in vegas i believe <laughs> i mean i think that's that the, the writing is on the wall there um and and i think i think that, that you know you sub out one hall of fame goaltender for another one and you know i mean I, I think i think that henrik lundqvist wants to be in a spot where he has a chance to win um you know and and if he's willing to be robin Lehner's backup and be that guy that can you know can spell him off and then if he gets injured maybe take the ball for a while um, I think that would be a really good fit for
0: him. I'm going to go off the board and say Vastra Frolanda. I think uh, that Henrik Lundqvist should retire as a New York Ranger in terms of the NHL. It just, it just feels right. He's one of those guys that it would be weird to see him in another uniform, but he goes back to Sweden. You know, he can play with his twin brother, Joel uh, or Joel. who knows. Um, and you know, he just sort of goes off into the moonlight. It would certainly be a, a great boost for the SHL, not that they're starving for talent, um, but to have him back home for the last couple of years of his career, uh, I think would be great i I just it's tough because I don't know how much he has left in the tank. i obviously the the will is there from him, but i would I would worry about him throwing off the the balance of a goaltending tandem because. He's Henrik Lundqvist. Like he's he's not a backup, you know. And I, I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would be okay sitting on the bench most of the time and, and taking a, a huge cut in salary. It just it just seems odd. He's he's the king. He's not the duke, you know. <laughs> so I think go back to Sweden, just revel in being a national hero, and you can still have some fun. Playing hockey at a high level, maybe you win a title with Fro Lunda. I mean, they're a very good team as is, um, so that's that's my off the board recommendation.
1: Okay, yeah, I was speaking about Fro Lunda as well. Uh, it, it's funny, you know, with Hank, and I agree, he's used to being this bell cow. But I I feel like at 38 years old, he's reached the point where even he probably knows he can't be that guy anymore. And I think it's more likely he goes somewhere where he might be able to kind of ride along and win a cup and maybe, you know, get to hoist the cup, even if he's not as a starter, or maybe he comes in in an emergency situation. I was thinking Dallas, but then I realized, you know, the Dallas, the star's backup has to be a, a guy who can play 30 games a year because of Ben Bishop. It's too big of a workload, I think for Lundqvist and he'd be exposed. So I like the Washington Capitals for, for Lundqvist. I think it's a place where there are already a lot of big name players there. So the, the circus factor of, Lundq, of Hank coming to town won't be a big deal. It won't threaten guys like Ovechkin who are already big names. And you can be sort of a mentor to Ilya Samsonov. And if he falters, you're, you're playing on a pretty good team, but it still has Stanley Cup aspirations. And there's also kind of a fun, you know, division rivalry factor. Where you could stick it to the Rangers for, for buying you out whenever you get to play them. So, you know, maybe Washington plays Lundqvist in net whenever they play the Rangers. So, so that's my pick. Uh, let's talk a little bit about bargain and bust picks among the free agent class. So uh, let's do bargains first. So Kenny, uh, I want to hear your number one, bargain ufa pick
2: well it's going to be a guy that i think again is one of those guys where they sign him and you don't win free agency day and and to me that's a guy like eric Halla. um you know a guy who until he was very seriously hurt uh with vegas was putting up a really good year i think his points you know i mean you you can tell me this matt but his points for 60 are very very good he's he's uh i think he's still got you know he's young uh, he's got a lot to prove and you can probably get him for a fairly decent amount of money. And he's one of those guys that you go, Oh, wow. They're getting that many goals from that guy for that amount of money. Uh, I think he'd be a, a huge bargain for somebody.
0: Mm. I'm going to go with a big name that I still think can be a bargain. Joe Thornton. Ooh. I think at this point in his career, I, here's another guy, you know, we just talked about Lundqvist. Jumbo still doesn't have a cup and he's not going to get it in San Jose. So I'm very curious to see if he would go to a contender for million dollars, 1.5, whatever it is. It's not like he needs to, you know, save up for a rainy day anymore. He's made a lot of money in his career and deservedly so. Um, But I think Joe Thornton, not only could he be that, at this point, a depth center that could provide some mismatches, but he also becomes that guy you rally around and say, let's get Joe Thornton his cup. He can be that Ray Bork right now.
1: Good. I'm going to say Craig Smith is my number one bargain pick. I think he doesn't get enough respect. Uh, And I said this, Stephen and I did another video. So apologize if you watched that video earlier this week, but you know, different show and it's still my opinion that, that it's Craig Smith. So at least 18 goals in six of his past seven seasons and he shoots the puck so much great skater, but also in the past three seasons combined. So at five on five, the only players in the league, the only forwards who shoot the buck more per 60 minutes are Brendan Gallagher and Brady Kachuk. Craig Smith is third. So, in the right situation, you could have even a career year for him where he gets 25 plus goals. But even if you're just getting the usual 20, 20, 40 stat line, that's very useful for a contending team's middle six. So, you know what, let's. Drew,
2: Matt? Brett, uh, Barry Trotz loves him too.
1: Mm, so, that might be a
2: fit. That might be a yeah. fit. Yeah. Barry Trotz yeah. loves him. Used to call him the Honey Badger when he, when he coached him in Nashville. Loves him. I like him. that.
1: Okay, good. Uh, so let's do a bust pick now. I know busts aren't fun picks and they are, the agents will be mad at us for this one, but uh, diplomatically, Ryan, give me your, your bust pick of free agency.
0: Diplomatically, I'm going to say Braden Holtby. You know, there's so many goaltenders on the market right now. And I just feel that Holtby, you know, because of his past resume, he's, he's going to want, you know, a, a pretty good payday and he's going to want some term uh, he is a Stanley Cup winner. He is a Vesna winner. But I'm just worried that you know, th- despite the underlying stats that you pointed out, uh, I'm just worried that he's been on a steady decline in recent years, and the the amount of cap space he takes up is not going to be worth the investment.
2: So, Matt, when we talked about good fits for for guys, and we talked about Jacob Markstrom. I, I thought you meant good fits for the player. I, I don't think he's a good fit for that team. I I, th- I think Jacob Markstrom would be my boss pick. I'm very, very wary of guys who kind of have that career year, cash in on free agency, get that long-term deal. As you say, it's probably going to be a five times five or a five times six. In this goalie market, I just think that um, – there's too many other options out there for a team to do that. And for me, I, I think I, I said it right from the right from the time that Thatcher Damco came in and and did his Ken Dryden impersonation in the playoffs. I said that that's it, that's it. Thank you, Jacob Markstrom. Thank you so much. You were a wonderful guy. You served us well, but we're not we're not we're going to go with this other guy. We're staying with the young guy. Uh, we need to spend our money elsewhere, presumably on either Tyler Toffoli or Chris Tanov. Or something else, um, but I, I I think that he's probably he's probably get, well, I don't know what where he's going to resign he may resign in Vancouver but I think that would be an overpay.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to complete the trifecta of goalies for our bust picks and I'm going to go Anton Kudobin, and it's tough because you know his numbers on on a like a rate stat basis the last couple of years were really good as good as any goalies in the league but I think it was also the result of you know him being in a slightly sheltered sample size he still played a lot for a backup but he wasn't a starter right he's playing like 30 games a year but when we saw him relied upon to be the guy for Dallas, he was really good for a lot of the playoffs. But he started to wear down, and he looked a little exposed. I think in the final, he had a lot of trouble handling the puck. He was fighting the puck a little bit. He looked small in the net. He's in his mid thirties, but he's also coming off this sort of heroic postseason that I think is going to jack up his price. So you might have to pay like three, four million dollars a year to get Kedobin, which creates an awkward situation. Like, is he going to be a starter somewhere? Is he going to be a one B? And I think if the sample size grows for him and he has to play a lot more, maybe you get kind of that late Stanley cup final version of him where he started to break down a little yep. bit. So I think he's a risky signing. Uh, okay. I'm going to roll my eyes now <clears throat> because we're going to talk about the Loch Ness monster, AKA offer sheets, the things that never happen that everyone hypes up every year. And I don't count last year because that was a fake friggin' offer sheet for Sebastian Ajo, but we're going to talk about it because there's always buzz over offer sheets. Okay. So I want to hear your picks for your top offer sheet candidate or candidates and why. So I've got a few different ones, so I'll let you guys go first. Uh, Kenny, let's, let's hear your pick first.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I thought we all agreed that there probably weren't going to be any offer sheets, but who knows, right? Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, mm. I suppose. Mm. I mean, he, had, he didn't have a very good regular season last year, and he had a great, right, he had a great playoff. Um, you know, I, I guess if you're really sort of targeting, I think you have to look at either Anthony Sorelli or Mikhail Sergeyev, because then you put Tampa in a really tough spot to match those ones. Um, but I, I don't think anybody's getting one. I I don't, I don't think it's happening.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, if it happens, it would be either Sergeyev or Sorelli. I think the the equation changes a little bit now because pre- Stanley Cup, you would say, well, why, why would those guys ever want to leave Tampa? Uh, they have a chance to win a cup. Now they have won a cup. So you say to them, okay, well, you know you have a certain role on your team and we can give you a bigger role and we can give you more money, which you clearly deserve. You know Anthony Sorelli, I know for a couple of us, he was already, on our Selkie ballot and he's still a very young man. Uh, With Sergachev, you know, Tampa Bay needs to sign uh, quite a few defensemen. You know, right now they have Hedman at McDonough and then Braden Coburn still has one year on his deal. Um, But otherwise they've got to do some re-signing. So Sergachev, it feels like, you know, they kind of really need to get him. Um, With Sorelli, obviously they want him for sure. Uh, but they 're not suffering for forwards right now, and I could certainly see a team swoop in and say, "Look you know we 'll give you seven years right now, and we 'll give you you know whatever six million, whatever the number happens to be, because we believe you could be an excellent number two center in the NHL right now." Mm-hmm.
1: Good picks. Uh, I'm focusing on two teams that have a bigger guy they have to focus on signing. So the Blues have to worry about Pietrangelo and the Islanders have to worry about Matt Barzell. So I think for that reason, both those teams can be exposed if you target their other guys who are RFAs. So Ryan Pulock and Devin Taves, I think, would be good targets for the Islanders and Vince Dunn in St. Louis. Because you know that in both cases, like, assuming, you know, Islanders, Barzell's an RFA, so they will keep him, of course. But uh, with the Blues, they're still hoping to keep Pietrangelo. So as long as neither of those two star players are signed, I think there's a window where you could exploit that because they're going to be afraid to match. If, you know, are, are you going to match a, a big offer for, for, for Pulik or Tays if you haven't locked up Barzal yet if you're Lou Lamorello? It'd be a little scary, right? So those would be my picks. Uh, let's do some listener questions before we get to our rapid-fire game. So we got a few of these. Love the name of this guy, Mikey McDon't Touch Your Face. Great name. Great callback to Bodie McBoatface. And it seems like he's got good etiquette with his mask wearing. So attaboy, Mike. Uh, And Mike says, will another team make Dylan DeMello an offer before the Jets get around to it? Well, we know that that can't happen yet because the UFA negotiation window is gone. So no team can make an offer officially to Dylan DeMello until October 9th at noon. Uh, and I, but I think that if DeMello goes to market, he's going to be really popular. He's a right shot. I think he's quite underrated as a shutdown guy. And I think he'll have double-digit teams making him offers. So if the Jets don't resign him between now and the start of free agency, I think, yes, teams will be all over DeMello. Uh, agree, disagree? We'll go with Ryan on this one.
0: I agree. I think he's going to be highly coveted. But I think Winnipeg needs to make him a, a bit of a priority because defense – Obviously, it was a problem for them last season. They were really decimated and they, they, they have to move forward. I mean, this is a team that has a lot of great forwards in their prime. They have a Vesna winning goaltender and Connor Halebuck. You know, they need a guy like DeMello to, you know, continue to write the ship on the back end. They need to add, they cannot subtract right now.
2: To me guys, if, if they were going to re-sign Dylan DeMello, I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure it would have been done by now. Like they've had a bit of time on their hands since getting beat beat out of the bubble, you know, today's the draft. So they're kind of occupied with that. And then there's one day left. If I'm Dylan DeMello, I mean, why would you not go? Why would you not go to market if you're Dylan DeMello? That's not to say that he wouldn't re-sign with Winnipeg, but why would you not see what's out there? Like to me, you know, we talked about a team like, you know, I talked about Toronto needing to do something. I think that would be the kind of player that I think would be perfect in that kind of situation. So if you're Dylan DeMello, I, I don't know. I mean, either you take, either you get this done before now, or you go the distance. So I, I got to think he's going the distance.
1: Yeah, it, it sounds like it. And I think that would be bad news for the Jets. I think they really need him. They yeah. need to keep him. The right side of their blue line is decimated still. Uh, next question is from Steve Mallon, or it could be Steve Mallon. Who knows? I can say Mallon because it's an avalanche question. Uh so Steve says, what are the odds that the Avalanche don't sign any big-ticket free agents this summer and just focus on re-signing their current players? So I know they do have a lot of RFA's to worry about Zadorov and, and Ryan Graves and, and Valerie Nichushkin and Andre Burakovsky, but I think that we saw a change in Joe Sakic last summer where he, it's clear that he's got he's reached the juncture at which he's going to push the, the poker chips into the table. So um, I, I think that the abs are going to be a little bit aggressive. They're not going to go crazy and sign a bunch of guys, but I still, I like this idea of them offering a lot of money in a short term to some big name player, like whether it's going to be Taylor Hall or someone else, even if it's a one-year deal, I think they know they've, they've gotten advantage during this flat cap summer. So they got they got to take their swing. So I think that they're going to do something. Uh, what about you, Kenny? I agree with you. I, you
2: know, I mean, they've got, about $23 million in cap space that actually is only about 20 million because they've got a factor in the fact that Kale McCarr hit on all those bonuses and, and made an extra $2.5 million this year. So they, but they've got, I think they've got some, some room. And again, this is a team that, you know, you're looking for a guy to put you over the top, right. Or to, to make you that team that would be really dangerous. So I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think, you know, I think you keep your powder dry for a long time, and then once, you ha- once you're once you in a position to use it, I think Joe Sakic is in that position.
0: I agree with both of you. I think, you know, they, they have the opportunity to win a cup very soon, as soon as next season. And I wouldn't even mind seeing them go for another goaltender. You know, like Grubauer, he, he got hurt, but I think Colorado would look at the playoffs and say – Okay, well, we got burned once, and you know there was other injuries as well, like half a dozen of them. But just to be sure, it might not be a bad idea to have a veteran. I'm almost talking myself into Henrik Lundqvist at this point. <laughs> 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 um, and then maybe you do something. Else. You know, we we mentioned Taylor Hall as as maybe a short-term solution if he would be amenable to that, and say, hey, we're gonna go for it right now. You know, do you want to sign a two-year? deal and let's do this thing um, I think they have such a great core they've already proven that you know even with a ton of injuries they got pretty far in mm-hmm. the playoffs and Nathan McKinnon is gonna continue to be beastly next season so I, th- I, I agree I think it's time to just shoot your shot
1: mm-hmm. and especially because Gabriel Landis called entering the final season of his deal so next year you got to worry about Paying your captain, I, I don't see them wanting Landis Cog to walk. So this is your your time to shoot your shot. Uh, next one. So stop me if you feel like this question is too similar similar to the one about the hot seat. Okay, if it's the same answer, you can just answer it quickly. But I still like the questions from JPW. Which team heads into next season looking to make the most uh, the most diff- the most different uh, the most looking looking the most different? Okay, I know it. Uh, it's funny. This guy your JPW's grammar is good. <laughs> I just read it wrong. Which team heads into next season looking the most different from how it looked finishing this year? Who gets the biggest makeover, the biggest culture change? Well, I said the Flames before, but I I think in terms of culture change, I think the Leafs are the team that needs it the most in terms of just their identity is too one-dimensional. And I know the the end-of-the-season presser, Kyle Dubas was very defensive about that idea. You know, I'm not going to build my team just one way, but let's see if that's true. So I I think the Leafs are are my pick for culture change. Uh, Ryan, what do you
0: think? I'm going to go with the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I think because their roster is in such flux, Kevin Adams has a chance to really rebuild this team in his own image and, and put a stamp on a culture and start to build something with the Sabres. Um, whether it works out or not, I do not know. But I think they are going to look very different and they will certainly have a different culture.
2: I'm going to stay in the Atlantic Division and go a little off the board and I'm going to say the Ottawa Senators. Um, you know, I mean, they are they have ten guys under contract right now. <laughs> ten guys. And, you know, they've they've said goodbye, they've basically said goodbye to Mark Wariatsky, they've said goodbye to Bobby Ryan, they said goodbye to Craig Anderson. They're gonna have the third and fifth pick, both of whom might be stepping right into the lineup for them next year. I think the senators have have and will dispense with any notion that they're any good at all and i you know i know you disagree with me on that this matt but i think they're going going to go full youth i think they're going to go full tank and they're just they're just going to ride this out until they can uh collect even more assets and more picks and more young players to build for the future
1: cool i, I don't totally disagree kenny I, I do think that they're going to go all youth my thing was more just i think that the youth is going to be better than people think just because you know guys like chuck and Shabbat are you know they're progressing uh, we'll do one more question. This is topical from Scott Baker. How does Matt Nisman's retirement change the Flyers' free agency or trade plans? Well, Kenny already touched on it with Pietrangelo. And I think you're going to see Philly chase defensemen now, and it's a really good year. There's so many. Even if you don't get Pietrangelo or Troy Krug, there's TJ Brody and Hamannick and Vatten and DeMello. We talked about Tyson Berry, Kevin Shattenkirk, even lower down guys like you could bring back Radko Gudis. So I think that we'll see Philly add one or two of those guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and I also think maybe the odds of trading, because Shane, go- Shane Goss's beer was one of the guys being talked about as a trade candidate. Maybe the odds of trading will go down a little bit, uh, even though Niskanen is a different player, plays the other side of the ice. So I think overall, you're going to see more aggression chasing free agents from the flyers. Uh, Ryan, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think they really do need to make a, a move now. I think Matt Niskanen, was a little, excuse me, underrated with the Flyers, you know, him and Justin Braun, I think really changed, you know, the, uh, the culture of that blue line. I think they really helped a guy like Ivan Provorov reset his game because Provorov was not good the year before. He obviously started off his NHL career uh, on fire, but then he had a setback. I think you know, wherever Matt Niskanen goes, the defense corps got better. You know, there was a reason that Washington wanted to get him from Pittsburgh. Uh, and it's because of the impact that he had on the blue line. So if you're Philly now, you say, okay, well, we don't have that kind of like lodestone. We don't have that guy that can settle things down. Um, who can we get that's similar? I wonder if they, you know, if they have the opportunity if they, if they go for a Chris Tanev. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think this, I think this changes everything in Philadelphia. I know that the flyers were absolutely gobsmacked by this decision. They did not see it coming. Nobody saw it coming. His agent didn't see it coming. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers certainly didn't see it coming. I mean, he was on pace for a 40-point year last year. That would have been his second-best offensive year as, a, as an NHL player. Um, he was really good on the penalty kill for Philadelphia this past year. And as, you, as you've touched on, Ryan, um, you know, a lot of people are saying that he was a real – sort of driving force behind the resurgence of Ivan Provorov. And I, I think of the Philadelphia Flyers in general, I, I think that he was a big part of the reason why they were so successful uh, this past season and, and had such a good season. So, um, you know, now that this opens things up for them, um, I think, I, I do agree with you, Matt. I think Bear is, is going to be a trade candidate. And if they can move that guy and they get the, they get the, uh, they get the, the cap space, I think they swing for the fences and, Like I said, I'm going to stand by what I said about uh, Alex Petrandil. I think he's going to be a Philadelphia Flyer.
1: Yeah, again, I I love that idea. I think it really fits. Uh, So before we end the podcast, it's time for the rapid fire game. This time I am the host. So the rule is going to be since Ken was the last host, he'll be the first answer this week, just so we have an established order. So it'll go Ken, then Ryan, and then I'll finish it off. Okay, so are you guys ready? No. <laughs> okay. Question one. Question one. In which movie does Arnold Schwarzenegger do his best actual acting? Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor.
0: <laughs> Oh. I'll go Terminator 2. Why not? Good picks. I'm
1: going to say True Lies. I like Arnie and True Lies. Uh, is Henrik Lundqvist the best goalie of, of his generation? No.
2: Secondly, um what was it oh schwarzenegger his best role was governor of california probably but <laughs> that was where he did his best acting um but no he's not he's not the best goalie of his generation i i like henrik Lundqvist. i think he's had some great uh regular season success but with henrik Lundqvist, i always say the same thing win something
0: and he didn't uh, i'm gonna say no it's either jonathan quick or carrie price
1: Stephen, Stephen from the top row yelling, this isn't rapid fire, Ken. Not yelling, chatting. Hey, hey it's all right. It's fun, Stephen. Uh, yeah, Let's have our fun. <laughs> I'm going to say, yes, Lundqvist is the best goalie of his generation. Top six in Vezina voting, 10 years in a row. a trophy, sixth all-time and wins. Got to the Stanley Cup final gold medal. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Ooh. Wow.
2: Um, Jaws. Because of my age. I was really young when it came out. And uh, yeah, it was that scared the bejesus out of me. I was, I was afraid to go in the water in Lake Nipawasi after that, even knowing like I just thought I might get bit by on the foot by a northern pike or something. So I'd have to say Jaws.
0: (laughs) The descent. I had like heart palpitations because not only is it like a claustrophobic cave movie but then they add monsters after that
1: love the descent and the best thing about the descent, it's like already scary before you even see the monsters like an hour in great movie exactly i'm gonna say paranormal activity scarred me for life i saw it in 2010 i think about it every day every day like I I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought about it last night (laughs) card me forever it's so scary uh in what season will we see the Arizona Coyotes make the playoffs the real playoffs next
2: 2025 I don't know I mean they're not they're they're not anytime soon
0: I'm gonna say 2022 I think I, I think they'll get there sooner
1: I'll say 2023, vote of confidence for Bill Armstrong. I think he knows that he's got a clean house and he'll do it quickly and efficiently. Uh, Last one, on a scale of one to 10, grade Jim Carrey's Joe Biden impersonation.
2: I'm going to go with nine. I thought he was fantastic.
0: I'll also say nine.
1: I'll say 7.8. I think he got the look and the facial expressions down. I, I don't think the voice really sounded like Joe Biden. It just sounded like Jim Carrey, but overall pretty good. And that concludes the rapid fire game. Thanks for playing guys. And that that concludes the free agency preview podcast. Great show. Thanks for doing it guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will be with you the three of us writing and analyzing every step of the way on Friday. And we will do a winners and losers mini podcast as well. So,